Hello and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sport. My name is Molly Silva and today myself and my co-host Keely and Georgia are absolutely honoured to be bringing you this truly inspiring and incredible conversation with Paralympian gold medalist Rowan Crothers. He had a chat with us while he was in hotel quarantine and hearing his story starting off as a kid who was bullied for having a disability and being inspired by watching the Paralympic Games at Beijing and now 11 years after starting swimming being someone who is a champion in every sense of the word he is so so inspiring thank you so much to Rowan for coming on and here's the chat Well, Rowan, thank you so much for coming on Chicks and Balls, the podcast. Um, You are in hotel quarantine. We are super pumped to have you and and to maybe uh, break up some of the the time that you have on your hands. Uh, The way we start every single interview is with a round of fast five questions. So, you know, we're a sports podcast. We talk to lots of athletes like yourself. We know that warm-up is important. So these are the warm-up questions. And Keely is our warm-up queen. So she's got a couple of questions to kick you off. All right. So, first of all, do you put your sauce in the fridge or the cupboard? Oh, fridge. It's the only fridge is the only way to do it, honestly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we have only had one cupboard person on our interviews like this so far, and we're all cupboard people, so we're like I think we, we need to do out. a tally because we are so we're so out of it. <laughs> anyway. Think, yeah, you guys got to be the outcasts here. Sure. Oh, we actually are. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. We didn't think we were, though, and we're starting to realise, and it's a bit of a rude shock, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so close-minded when it comes to sauce. <laughs> um, second one, do you have a pump-up song? If so, what is it? Um, so, honestly, it's like Taylor Swift just <laughs> pops off. Absolutely. Amazing. I think um, in some of the really hard training sessions that I was doing, like getting ready for Tokyo. Myself and like a bunch of the other guys, like you can either sit there and you can cry about how hard you're working and how you're in this world of pain, or you can just belt out you belong with me at the top of your lungs. And honestly, oh which one sounds like more fun? It's, it's singing Taylor Swift also. That is so the good. best answer we've ever had to that question. 100%. We should probably add that to the list. <laughs> yes, yes. We have a playlist, so we'll have to add that in. Um, favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Um, Got to go with Batman, honestly. Yeah, solid. He's just cool. He he just vibes, you know, he goes hard. (laughs) There's nothing that's that, like, besides the fact that he's got literally all the money in the world. He just kind of, you know, gets on and gets the job done. Yeah. Which era of Batman, though, are we talking like Christian Bale or um, Ben Affleck? I think he's not a popular one. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, you've got to go with Christian Bale, I think. Like... (laughs) For sure. You know, he's a bit of a party animal, um, <laughs> but no, it's just good fun. Yeah, nice. Uh, favorite sports movie? Favorite sports movie? Oh, Coach Carter. Oh, sure good one. one. Yeah. It's your baseline. <laughs> you, you can't go wrong. Yeah, no, you can't. Definitely not. Um, and the last one is: Are you a dog person or a cat person? I am definitely a dog person. Amazing. I had a cat, like, growing up all the way through, and I used to be really, really scared and afraid of dogs <laughs> until my family got a little puppy. Aww. And his name's Chewy. We still have Chewy. What breed is he's Chewy? Like, uh, he's a miniature poodle, <laughs> but he's not very miniature. 
Like you hear miniature poodle and you think, oh, he must be like a chihuahua, put him in an ant bag or whatever. No, he's a big dog. <laughs> uh, he's 14 human years this year. Oh, wow. So it's very old and he's starting to struggle, like walking up and down stairs and everything. Oh, no. But he's, he's still my little puppy. Yeah, oh, of course. Always. They always will be. Yeah. Well, um, like we said, you are in hotel quarantine. How is it that you've been passing the time and do you have any um, good Netflix recommendations or anything that you've picked up in, in this time? Um, so I've been just doing a lot of phone calls and emails and all that kind of stuff, which has been a great way to keep busy. Um, honestly, I didn't even realize today was day seven until someone told me on Messenger because uh, I'm, I'm not even keeping track of it because I've just been so busy this whole time. It's um, probably a blessing, isn't it? Oh, it, it's nice yeah. to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, besides that, um, I used to do a lot of gaming and I quit all of that because it just took up so much time. Um, I actually used to do competitive gaming, cool. so I played in tournaments for money and all that cool stuff. So I retired from that world to focus a lot more on swimming. And since coming home, everything online's blown up about, oh, Rowan Crothers, the ex-pro gamer and all that. <laughs> um, so a few guys that work in that scene sent me like a whole computer setup to play on while I'm in quarantine, which is pretty cool. And that's taken up some time as well. Um, but yeah, I've got like all the other guys in the team are so jealous because they might have a PlayStation or whatever, but I've got this giant like thousand dollar computer and everything and it's just flexing on me. <laughs> well, it's funny because when we were, you know, we're doing our due diligence as podcasters and researching you and that was a lot of the head- headlines that I found as well of you being this this former esports competitor. Um, your screen name was Magnet Brain, am I correct? Yeah, so a lot of people ask me about like where magnet brain comes from. They assume because I have cerebral palsy, it's something to do with like, oh, maybe I actually have magnets in my brain or whatever, which is totally wrong. Um, when I was a little kid, like maybe 10 or 11 years old, um, my dad made me play water polo because, you know, my dad was a water polo player and I got to follow in his footsteps and everything. And we had two Rowans in the team, so one of us needed a nickname. And we just so happened that in a whole bunch of the different uh, matches that we'd play in, my head would block the ball from going into our goal. So there were one or two games where literally the whole reason why we won the game was because my head would get in the way. Not intentionally. It would just it'd just block it. So everyone would say, oh, Rowan, your brain's like a magnet. And then, that's amazing. You know, that, that's the origin. That's of That's the, the best nickname origin story I've ever heard. <laughs> That's so good. How does the competitive esports world compare to the competitive swimming world? So, honestly, as as someone that's kind of... I've been on the outside and the inside of both sports, I guess. For a long time, when I first got into esports, I thought that it was very much like people that just play video games for 14 hours a day or something. And it turns out that the level of discipline and work ethic and effort that goes into being a professional video gamer is, I'm not going to say it's above, but it's absolutely on par with any professional traditional sport you can think of. Like there's so much effort that goes into making sure that your mechanical and like physical ability is at its prime. There's so much in terms of communication because they're mostly team-based sports. There's so many extra elements and things that you don't think about that these guys work on like day in day out to be at their absolute It's actually so interesting and something I would never have thought about. Yeah absolutely I think that um, it's such a like massive industry in terms of money making now too so yeah was it hard to step away from it to to focus on the swimming? 
Um, it was like, I, I knew I had to make that choice because I, I reached this point where I was about on a team that was maybe top four or top wow. three in Australia for this game called Valorant. And I started playing when the COVID lockdown hit. Uh, and then once everything started to ease up, there was the, like one of two pathways that I could take. And I just kind of prefer the lifestyle of swimming. I think um, with gaming, it's a lot of late nights. And with swimming, yeah. it's a lot of early mornings. And I'm a morning person. I love eating brekkie and just having fun and doing all that. You know, I finish training in the morning and it's 7.30 and I have a whole day ahead to do stuff. Uh, I, I just yeah. love that lifestyle. Um, so it, it was hard to give it up. Um, but it's still just such an amazing community, I think. And even though I haven't really pursued it professionally for about 13, 14 months now, everyone in that community is still getting on, like, Rowan the swimmer. <laughs> Um, and it, it's awesome. Cool. Uh, so, tell us a bit about the beginning. Where did you grow up and how did swimming become a part of your life? So, I was born in Gosford in New South Wales, but I've pretty much lived in Brisbane for the entirety of my life. Um, I got bullied a lot as a young kid. Um, as someone with a milder impairment, I... Um, a lot of other kids that just have no filter and you know kids can 100%. be pretty brutal sometimes um they just saw me as this clumsy kid not someone with a disability or an impairment so everything sport related i just absolutely hated and couldn't stand because we do school sport and say playing dodgeball i'd be the last kid picked for the team and i'd be the first one like targeted to get knocked out um, I'd get bullied for coming last at all the school cross countries and sports days. It got to the point where anytime there was a sports day, mum and dad would just lie and say, oh no, Roman's sick, he can't go into school, he can't go into school sports day because I'd just get bullied. Um, and with swimming, it was the one sport where I was still absolutely terrible at it and I couldn't stand it, but I had to do it because it was really good therapy for my cerebral palsy. And one day, it was like school holidays or something in 2008, and I'm channel flicking and the Paralympics comes on. And it's a swimmer, an Aussie swimmer by the name of Peter Leake is swimming his 200 meters individual medley. And he also has milder cerebral palsy. And I always knew as a kid the Paralympics existed, but I thought it was only mm -hmm. for people in wheelchairs or people that were amputees. As soon as I saw that was an opportunity, an avenue for me to compete with other people that had milder impairments, I was like, oh God, mum, dad, this is amazing. Like, I want to do this now. I want to be just like him and just like all these guys. And from there, they said, you know, it was the first time that they'd seen something that I was really passionate about and really wanted to pursue. Uh, so yeah, they, they signed me up and then the rest is just kind of history of grinding away and made my first team in 2013. And just, yeah, chipping away at it ever since. Well, it's a shame that things started off that way for you, but what a lovely story and what a good, you know, um, journey that you've had. Um, now, I am a new grad physio, so I have learnt lots of things, done lots of rehab and stuff. And um, the therapy and, like, hearing what you do, it's all amazing. For people who don't know, can you explain to us what cerebral palsy is? Okay, so cerebral palsy is a neurological impairment. That means it's basically, it's brain damage that impacts the way that your brain communicates with your body through your nerves and everything. It happens at birth. It's like before or at birth. Um, so I was born at 25 weeks gestation, wow. which is about 15 weeks early. 
um, and due to a whole bunch of different complications that happened there, mum got really, really sick in hospital um, and I came out with cerebral palsy. So a significant, like I'm actually quite severely impaired in mm-hmm. some ways um, when I was really young. Since my mum and dad are just the absolute most incredible people in the universe, um, they worked really hard to make sure that I got all the therapy that I needed and that I learned to do things myself. So I struggled so much with something as simple as picking up a spoon. So mum would sit there with one of those tiny little tubs of like Yoplait yogurt and would make me pick up the spoon and eat the yogurt myself. And she'd sit there for like an hour and a half, two hours, just watching me. I think any other mum in the world would just say, screw this and then spoon feed the kid. But just making sure that my brain learned to do that kind of thing myself. Um, and it's worked out because now I'm independent and yeah, I'm living 100%. But some, there are still a lot of difficulties and ways that my disability does yeah. impact me. So because of all of that therapy, what it did was it taught the parts of my brain that weren't damaged to compensate for the parts mm. that are. So a big thing with that is like yeah. proprioception or like basically hand-eye coordination. So you take away my eyesight when I'm doing something and my coordination drops a lot. So when I'm swimming, if you can see my legs underwater, I try to tell them to kick up and down and they're like sloppy spaghetti and they're all over the place. Um, With driving, I need to drive a modified car because I can't watch my legs to see what they're doing and see like which foot I'm using. I can't coordinate the pedals properly. So I use hand controls uh, for like braking and accelerating instead. Um, and yeah, there's a variety of ways that it still does impact me quite a lot, but nothing stops me and nothing really stops anyone from, you know, getting out and finding different alternative ways to just be independent and do what they want to do. You're incredible. That's pretty cool. That's amazing. And so awesome to hear about your family. I think that's like such a strong theme when you talk to athletes like yourself who compete in the, those foundational years of your disability, how important that is to have such amazing support around you you touched before on how the Paralympics became a part of your life and when you started watching and sort of decided almost immediately that you wanted to go how important do you think the Paralympics is for raising the profiles of people with a disability like yourself and encouraging that support that you had as a kid I think it's extremely important because it gives these young kids purpose I think a lot of the time you hear in interviews, even the other Paralympic athletes do, where they say, like, they're there to be elite athletes and they're not there to inspire your average Joe or whatever. But for me, a big part of why I do it is because I do want to inspire those little kids with disabilities because I remember how bad my life was when I thought I had no way to ever prove my worth and prove my value. I think that that kind of awareness raising of the Paralympics as an opportunity for young kids, like... It's made my life from something that was quite miserable into the most amazing thing. And I've met all these amazing, wonderful people. And I think if I or any other Paralympic athlete can inspire other kids to go out and just find anything that they're passionate about, not even, not even swimming. Hell, it can be esports. It can be like art and, you know, people jumping in a studio or doing whatever, like just chasing those passions. It it can take you to some amazing places. And I think that's one thing that the Paralympics is really amazing at doing. It's just yeah, giving absolutely. kids a purpose. Yeah, for sure. We have spoken often over the past few months about how much we look forward to the Paralympic Games every year and just how incredible it is mm-hmm. to see that 
scope of athletes competing. It's incredible. Um, what was it like? What was Tokyo like? What was it like to make the Paralympic team? You said your first one was in 2013. So how has that been? Um, so this was my second Paralympic Games. I went to Rio as well. Um, I think it was nice having a little bit of experience in that way. So I didn't quite feel the same level of nerves and pressure and everything. Uh, it was really different just with COVID. Um, the Australian team, we gave ourselves a whole bunch of extra restrictions and limitations just to keep ourselves safe. So in the Paralympic Village, you've got your dining hall where you go for all your meals. And we weren't allowed to use the dining hall at all. We had a catering company that delivered all of our own food. And one thing that was nice with that was um, basically every night you'd have two options for dinner and you could pick one of the two options. But I have a seafood allergy. So the arrangement with the catering company was they'd just make me both options. <laughs> so I got double the food. Oh, good. It was great. Um, oh, it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that kind of stuff, the, re the reality with not just Paralympic or Olympic villages, but any kind of sport in general and all these big tours, things always go wrong. There's always stuff that comes up, whether it's, you know, related to COVID like now, or if it's even something as simple as, you know, the bus breaks down on the way to like your venue or something. Like it really is just about finding ways to adjust and, you know, preparing for when, you know, when it hits the fan. Yeah, for sure. Um, we were big fans of your post-race celebrations. A lot of them went viral. Was that something you thought might happen when at the time? Um, no, honestly. <laughs> like, I, I actually missed out on qualifying for Tokyo mm -hmm. just oh, wow. in my... My main events are the 50 and the 100-meter freestyle. And at the qualifying competition, I missed out on qualifying by 0 0.03 seconds oh in gosh. one and 0.07 in the other. So I was very thankful to even be on the team in the first place. Um, and when I first missed the time, I was like absolutely cut and I was gutted. And I was thinking of all the different things that I could have done better to like, you know, maybe if I slept a bit more every night or I was more consistent with like meal times and everything and wasn't like going out on bloody Tinder dates or whatever <laughs> I should be getting ready for training the next morning. I love it. Um, just doing just doing all the right things and realizing, hey, if I did all of this, maybe I could have made the team. So then the next day being told that I am on the team, I already knew what to change and what to do differently. I'd already figured all that out. So it's just about doing it. And, you know, arriving in Tokyo, I knew and I was confident that I had had the best preparation possible because I spent the previous like seven odd weeks thinking about, you know, how much better I could have done all this stuff and then I was doing it better. Um, so I knew something special could have happened, but I try not to focus on things like medals and records and all this and that and the other because it's just a distraction from the race. You know, if, you, if you're on the blocks and you're thinking about, oh boy, it'd be cool to win gold, the guy next to you is not thinking about that. He's thinking about the race itself. So he's just going to have that advantage on you. Um, but yeah, when I got up on the land rope and everything, and I was just, that was just emotion. That was just pure joy because it's, you know, it was my lifelong dream. Ever since I first discovered like swimming and discovered the Paralympics, I said, hey, I want to be a gold medalist. And having actually done it, like, I couldn't put a filter on that. I couldn't hold that back at all. And even when, you know, I fell off the lane rope like five seconds <laughs> after getting onto it and I just got straight back on afterwards because, you know, Paralympic gold medalist, you got to celebrate that, right? 
hundred percent for sure no we're glad you didn't filter those emotions (laughs) it was amazing um even more emotional right after yourself you got to uh watch one of your best mates ben popham win gold how was that what was it like to share that moment and that success with him yeah so benny is an absolute legend and um i never said it to him but i knew for the entire i've known all year that he was going to win that gold medal um he is just such a hard worker and he's a really good friend every tour that we've gone on for the past three years now we've always been roommates and normally like you you get a bit of cabin fever sometimes with people but not with benny like we just get along like he's actually into esports and everything a bit as well and we just you know banter about that we've got like similar tastes in music it was kind of funny on um the night before the 4x100 freestyle relay uh, Kanye dropped Donda and oh, yes. literally all day preparing for the relay and then in like the preparation room before the race we're just chanting Donda like the whole time <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so good but yeah like he, he's such a he's such a great guy and he is someone that is an inspiration of mine and he, he is someone that kind of helps push me along when I fall down because I think no, no athlete is perfect and we all have like those off days and everything but he's always there to kind of make sure that I'm pushing through. And I try to always be there to make sure that he's getting through and doing his best. And we just have it, like just, just a great mateship between the two of us. And yeah, it's champion, literally. How cool is that? <laughs> so good. <laughs> that is amazing. You know, you said it was your lifelong dream and you you came away with not just the one gold but another one in, in that um, relay and the, and the silver as well. Um, how how does it feel to to carry that medal around your neck you know when you're up on the podium and you hear the anthem can you describe what that felt like for you um so the medals are pretty heavy actually they're like <laughs> half a kilo um you can see them sitting so, up behind you that's so awesome yeah they're just, just like back staring there. at them <laughs> um yeah so it, it is incredible i think the thing that means more to me than the medals though is realizing that like I have had that same impact on some kids mm. that um, first had on me, like way back when I started. I've had like the most absolutely amazing and wonderful messages from like parents and kids with disabilities saying that, wow, now I want to start swimming or now I'm going to ride a bike or whatever. Um, a little story that my dietitian told me was uh, she went to pick up one of her kids from school and the teacher like ran over to her because she was wearing like her... Um, like her uniform and she was like oh like you know do you work with any of the Paralympians at all and she's like yes oh do you know Rowan Crothers and it's like yeah yeah I work with Rowan and she's like my daughter has cerebral palsy as well and she's five years old and after she saw Rowan's race she wants to get in the pool and I'm not much of a crier or I didn't think I was I feel like I'm gonna cry right now (laughs) I I didn't even cry on the podium getting my gold medal and every time I've got a message and I've seen something like that I have cried because that's that's what I really want to do and the medals are amazing and that's fulfilling that kind of part of my life in terms of just general sporting achievements Mm -hmm. but knowing that I've had this impact on the lives of other kids and I've given them something to wake up in the morning and look forward to in general like that is just the most special and amazing thing and that's what means so much more to me than any of the medals absolutely and can I just emphasize the fact that, you know, it is so powerful what you're doing for, for kids who now look up to you and uh, are like you, but 
there has been a ripple effect across the whole country, I think, whether you're someone with a disabled uh, disability or not. We have all been so inspired um, by you guys and I feel quite emotional hearing you talk about that because I think it is so important and it leads in quite nicely to my next question because an, a really great win that you guys got over there as a team was the fact that the federal government's come out and said you will be paid equally with Olympians. What did you feel like when you heard that news and um i think i was i was reading a piece um where ellie cole was interviewed and you were actually the one who texted her so how how is that for all of you guys as a group um yeah so in that piece ellie like ellie said that she just responded saying that's amazing in reality in the chat we were using a lot more swear words to celebrate about it (laughs) um no the thing is that it's not about the money it's cool that, you know, we all have like an extra 10, 15, 20 grand or whatever in the pocket, but really it is all about just being on the same level. It is about just being fair and like the Paralympics has always been like, it's the Paralympics because it's parallel to the Olympics and exactly. this just legitimizes Paralympic sport even more. And I think that's amazing because all of us athletes, like we do work just as hard to reach that pinnacle and to reach that top level. And yeah, it's not about the money. I think if you're interested in sport for money, you pick the wrong industry. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's just the fact that it's fair now, which is absolutely incredible. Oh, absolutely. And what do you think this will mean for future Paralympians? Will it make it a little bit easier to to do all that hard work and get compensated so they can focus on it? Well, I think one thing that it's not, I wouldn't say that I'm worried or concerned about it, but metal money is something which is like it's cool being at the top end but we do mm-hmm. we are fortunate enough to get funding from the government already to pay for yep. training fees and just general day-to-day life it's not a lot like we're not on nba basketball or money or anything <laughs> um which would be nice yeah if only um but yeah the thing is is that it needs to be on all fronts if you're only funding the very top of the top it becomes a lot harder for those younger kids with disabilities to move up mm. through the ranks. I think um, I had to rely a lot on the bank of mum and dad to get through yeah. as a kid for like paying for all of the extra massage and physio and everything that I needed. Not not just as a young person with a disability, but as an athlete with a disability as well, dealing in a sport where you have a lot of shoulder injuries that come through. Um, it was really, really expensive. And I yeah. think the metal money is awesome at the top but it needs to be from the grassroots level up as well. Um, And like the fact that it is fair now, that means it's only going to get better from here, but it does need to get better. And there does need to be more engagement, I guess, in that, like from the grassroots level into being like not even on the Australian team, but just on the cusp of reaching the Australian team. A lot of those athletes, both with a disability and able-bodied, get forgotten about. Yeah. Um, one of my friends that I trained with, he's an able-bodied athlete and he's top six in Australia for his main event and he trains like a professional athlete, but he gets zero dollars in funding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's rough for everyone. Um, and I just hope that a lot of this funding and interest that comes through in national sport leading into 2032, I hope that gets spread across all areas of sport because it's a community thing, right? Yeah, Absolutely. It's community. For sure. Yeah, it's absolutely. the best. We um, sort of touched on it earlier and like you said, leading into 2032, we're pretty good at 
getting excited and rallying around athletes like yourself in Olympic years and during the months that they're sort of at the forefront of our minds. But across the board, do you think Australia is getting better at its treatment and support of people with disabilities? Um, I, I think it is. It's like I'm not a politician. I'm an athlete and I try to focus a lot more on the kinds of stuff that I'm doing. I think that initiatives like the NDIS coming through, which has been an absolute like mess in some aspects, yeah. it all it is also nice that it is there and it is being worked on. Um, and yeah, like it, it's great. It still has a long way to go. I think that a lot of the um, like attention that the Paralympics got is very helpful to help push general like disability advocacy and everything forward because it's it means you know people start thinking about. The lives of people with disabilities like you'd, you'd watch me racing my 50 freestyle and you'd have no idea about the fact that i have to drive a modified car mm. and then what you don't realize is as a young person with an impairment the modification for that car costs 3500 dollars, mm. and then like that's how much i want to spend on a car in the first place because i'm probably going to crash it right <laughs> and then um on top of that like driving lessons cost three times as much for a person with a disability as they do for someone without because you need like trained drivers that know how to use the modifications and everything there's a lot of stuff that adds in in that way that people just don't think about Mm. so the more attention that things like the Paralympics get the more of that flow-on effect that it has towards people with disability and the community as a whole yeah Yeah. and then it will get better yeah for sure um you spoke about how watching the Paralympics for the first time changed your life and how then and there you decided that that was what you would want to do. What do you think young Rowan would say if you told him that you were going to be not only a multiple-time Paralympian but a multiple gold medalist? Um, he'd probably tell you to shut up because you're lying. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's like th- th- there's that. I think I, I really didn't have anything to live for and I thought I was never going to amount to anything and it has been a very long journey to get from where I was as a young kid to where I am now um but yeah I think that that little Rowan would be very excited for sure being able to you know carry a kilo worth of gold on his neck back home um (laughs) but yeah I think yeah it just has been a really long journey and I think little Rowan would probably start thinking a little bit more about doing all the right stuff so he could win those medals sooner. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, no, it's just been incredible. I think it's so brave of you to be so open um, with us and for those that are going to listen because, I mean, the more that you talk about this, the more that people will resonate with it and people with disabilities, you're not only going to inspire them to want to train hard but to feel okay and feel less guilty about, you know, I'm not going to be able to do anything and, you know, I am less of worth. Um, so I just want to say thank you because, I mean, you've, you're inspiring us as well. Yeah, it's um, it's something which is kind of interesting as far as giving those kids those opportunities and everything. For me, it was just a thing of realising that Paralympic sport and swimming was an opportunity. Mm. One thing which is kind of funny but also really exciting is that esports can be an amazing opportunity for kids with disabilities as well. There's yeah. been so many, like, so much research that's gone out into assistive technology and controllers that allow people with a wide range of disabilities to just play games in general. And, you know, as a 10-year-old kid going through school, if I had something competitive like esports to play off with against all the other kids that are my age as well, 
then that would have given me those friends and that would have given me that community that I really needed mm. that Paralympic swimming provided for me back then. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is just a thing of awareness and just showing kids that, hey, there's, you know, there's a, a massive community of all these wide, wide, like, accepting people out there. Um, yeah. It's just, yeah, find it and then it'll be there for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the the last question on our lips is, is Paris 2023 on the cards? Uh, Brisbane 2032 is on the cards, honestly. Oh, yeah. Um, yes. Better. So Love I, that. I, I'm a Brizzy boy and, yeah. you know, Brisbane's pretty much my hometown. Um, and how amazing would it be to be able to say that, you know, I retired at the home games? I think yeah. that would be bloody brilliant. So bloody brilliant. Re- realistically, I, I love swimming so much. It's given so much to me, not just as like an athlete and everything, but as a person. Um, I love everything about the lifestyle and maybe someday I'll fall out of love with the competition and then I'll say, no, nah, that's my time. <laughs> but for now, like, why even think about stopping, right? Yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Oh, well, we, we have to go to Brizzy. Yeah, we'll be, we'll there, be there cheering you on. We'll, we'll be there. <laughs> See you in 11 years. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully yeah, I was going to say, hopefully yeah. we meet before then. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I, I started swimming 11 years ago. Mm. So this is, like, the halfway point now. Oh, my God. Gosh, wow, so okay. to think of it like that yeah. is very So at least exciting. four goals in Brisbane then, yeah. if you're halfway. <laughs> well, I'll have to double, right? Yeah, so exactly. I'll go, I'll go exactly. Four, four in Paris, then eight in LA, and then 16 in Brisbane. Somewhere. Oh, that's <laughs> stunning. That's music to my ears. <laughs> um, thank you so much. You are a champion. I think that, um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people who probably feel the same way that we do listening to you chat. So, yeah, thank you so much again for Appreciate coming Appreciate it on. so much. It, it really, like... I feel like it impacts us, your story as well. Yeah, you're a true champion. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Chicks and Balls, the podcast. A massive thank you once again to Rowan for making the time to come on and share all of that with us. If you are enjoying the show and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you really liked it. If you are listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and check out our official Chicks and Balls pump-up playlist. Yes, we will be adding Taylor Swift's um, You Belong With Me to it. You can find us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls No Pod. No Pod. Oh, yeah. Follow us and follow your hopes and dreams. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. <laughs>